0: Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you here in our modern service. Good morning to all of you there in the worship center and our contemporary service. Had a wonderful time in our uh, one, in our traditional service. So we come together. If you're a guest here, welcome. We welcome you. We come together for the preaching of the word here in these, uh, in these two rooms via video. And so we're glad that you are here. Turn to Luke chapter 6 if you have a copy of the word of God. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, if you're in this room and you want a hard copy of the scriptures, just raise your hand. We'll be glad to get one for you. Our deacons are looking around to make sure anyone has a hand lifted up. Uh, In the worship center there in the PRAC right in front of you is a copy of the scripture, so just grab that. Luke chapter 6, or turn on your digital device, you can find the scriptures there as well. And so we encourage you to find your place. We're going to read through a portion of the sermon uh, that Jesus delivered, what is called the Sermon on the Plain, and we'll get to that in just a second. But you know, Valentine's Day is just two days away, and many of you will participate in Valentine's Day as the culture expects you to. Uh, You'll go out and you'll get a card. You'll go out and buy something really, really nice for your wife or your husband or a son or a daughter. You'll go out and buy chocolates if your wife likes those. You get them flowers, whatever it is. Husbands, if you don't know by now, you're in trouble already if you don't know what your wife enjoys, what your wife likes. But we we just kind of jump right into the expectations of, of how we're to express our love for other people. And we express our love on Valentine's Day to those that we um, are physically and emotionally attracted to, to the husband or to the wife, or, or we want to express to another family member, hey, you have done so much for me, and I am so grateful to you, and I love you so much for everything you've given to me. I just want to express that and respond to you today in a way in which uh, I can say I love you. And that's to be expected, and that's all fine. But Jesus comes to us this morning as his followers, and he asks us to love in a different way. You see, the title of the series is The Kingdom Way, and here's what we're learning, that when Jesus comes, oftentimes, what is the culturally accepted way, or even the normal church way, isn't the kingdom way. And so we have to try and square those things up, and particularly when it comes to love, Jesus offers us an entirely different way to love. And it's hard. It's not easy. When you hear the words of Jesus. But as we work through his sermon, I think you'll begin to understand how he provides a way for us to do that. Before we get to Luke chapter 6, let me set the stage for you. Jesus here is preaching on a plane, and he um, is preaching a sermon that is similar to a sermon that's recorded over in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, in Matthew, he says he's on a mountain So they believe that Jesus, as he preaches this sermon, it says he's on a level place, he's on a plane. But there's a lot of the same material in both. And so Jesus is just teaching and preaching some principles, some kingdom principles along the way. And so maybe he reiterates some of those very same things. So he's teaching here, and he reminds the um, followers of Jesus and all those who aren't followers of Jesus, because he's gathered this large crowd of both Jews and probably some Gentiles as well, and he reminds them right out of the gate This truth that you need to understand is that your Father, the Heavenly Father, cares and knows about every single circumstance in your life. This is the foundation of his sermon. When he comes to us and he asks us to do a a very, very difficult thing, he wants you to understand from the beginning. We don't have time to go through all of what... We call the Beatitudes, but these are matters of the heart, and when we look at our circumstances, we might want to be discouraged, but Jesus says, no, 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 don't be discouraged. Your heavenly Father has great care and provides for you. You can trust His control. Trust Him. If you're poor, if you're hungry, you don't have food, if... Um, you're you're grieving, you're mourning, you're suffering, or if people don't like you, and it's because you're a follower of Jesus and you're dependent upon me. You're in those daily circumstances, but you're dependent upon our heavenly Father. He said, it's okay. It's okay to be like that because your Father has control. He knows. So keep walking. Keep walking the kingdom way if that's where you are. Keep being dependent upon him. On the other side, though, he says, if you're rich, you have lots of money, you have lots of food to eat, uh, you laugh a lot, you take pleasure in a lot of things, and people really, really like you and you do it out of a sense of this is what I long for, and this is what I pursue, and I can grab those things independent of you, God, then Jesus simply says to them, you've been warned, you're far away from the kingdom. And with all of that in mind, as his listeners are hearing this, many of them would be poor. Many of them would, would, would be hungry. Many of them uh, would not be accepted. And particularly as we begin to follow Jesus, it gets really, really difficult. And Jesus says, that's okay. Your father has control over all things. Remember that. He is firmly in control. Now, having said that, then he, we come to our section on today and listen to what he says about love. All right. Will you do this with me? If you have your place, Luke chapter 6. Will you stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning? This is just a simple way for us to honor the Word, the Word upon which we build our mission. Our mission is to make disciples as we encounter God in our worship time, equip you to engage the world. The Word is at the center. and So let's stand for it as we read together, beginning in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them may be seated. This is the hard word that Jesus gives and the challenge that he gives to all of us this morning. And it is this, to love those who are enemies. Every single one of us in these two rooms and every single one of you who are listening online, we all have those who we might consider enemies. Now you might, maybe you wouldn't put that term on them. Maybe they're not an enemy per se, but there's someone out there that you have a broken relationship with. Someone who has offended you, someone who has abused you, someone who has misused you and your name and your reputation, someone who maybe has lied about you, someone who has treated you unfairly. Or maybe, maybe the shoe is on the other foot. Maybe you have done some of those things to other people, and there's just been this break. There's just been this opposition. There's been these lines that haven't been crossed yet. And you might say, there is someone who is my enemy. You, and you know who it is. You've got someone in mind right now. It could be, It could be right now in your marriage. It could be your husband or it could be your wife. There's division there. There's conflict there. It could be a son or a daughter. It could be a grandson. It could be a granddaughter that's far from, far from you. It could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker. It could be a boss. It could be a brother or a sister that you're estranged from. You haven't talked to in years. It could be someone on social media. It could be someone that you've been tangling with on Facebook. It could be, it goes on and on, but we all know, whether it's from our ancient past or it could be as, as something that happened this week, we have someone in our minds and we would say to them, as Jesus says to you, love them You say, Jesus, I I don't see how. I don't know how to do this. So let's walk through this and see if we can't understand and learn from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Thought number one this morning is this. We're to respond to those who hate and hurt us with intentional and generous love. We're to respond. This is what Jesus says. To those who hate and hurt us with intentional and generous love. All right, Jesus, so what do we do? All right, this is going to be hard, but tell us. Give us some thoughts how we do this thing. All right, do good to those who hate you. This means there's some actions that you can take perhaps this week. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a, a note. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a call to set up an appointment for dinner. There's some particular action this week that Jesus says, okay, do good to those who hates you? There's something that you can do to, con- to to pursue them. That's the problem. The problem is when we're hurt, we we don't want to be pursued. In fact, we want to we want to stand back. So Jesus says, you pursue that father, you pursue that spouse, you pursue that former boss, whatever it is. You intentionally do something to serve them, something that you know will encourage, that something that is that is for their Good, Because here, this is very important. When Jesus says love, he's not saying lead with your feelings because if we were to try and lead with our feelings, we wouldn't do any of these things. Here's what biblical love is. Biblical love, as uh, one New Testament writer, I love what he said. William Barclay, he says this. This is what it means to have this type of love, that no matter what the person does to us, we will never allow ourselves to desire anything anything but their highest good. Let me repeat that. Here's what biblical love is. It is no matter what that person does to me I'm not going to respond in revenge or in retaliation or in defensiveness or in isolation. I am going to pursue their highest good. Now, disclaimer here, listen. It doesn't mean if someone is physically abusing you, verbally abusing you, that you have to stand there and take it. That's not what that means, okay? If you're in a situation this morning where as a wife or or as a girlfriend or any sort of situation where there is harm, physical harm or, or, or verbal harm, you need to go get help. Jesus is not saying stand there and be a punching bag. It's not what he's saying. But he's speaking to the masses who are going to experience opposition. They're going to experience hurt. They're going to experience division. Those Jewish men and those Jewish women that would follow Jesus, it would mean that they would have to be cut off from their parents, cut off from the synagogue, cut off from their businesses. And Jesus says, you're going to come and follow me on the kingdom way? In the 21st century, there are going to be those who hurt you, so do good to them. Do something that will serve them. As you would want to be served, what would encourage you, what, what would lift you, then you do it to them. Husbands, let me, let me help you out here, all right? Valentine's Day is a couple of days away. And when Jesus says, do what seeks the highest good for your wife, this does not mean you go to your wife and you say, honey, here's the deal. This Valentine's Day, I know how much you watch the checkbook. I know how much you care for, for how much we spend. So I'm not going to go out and get dinner reservations anywhere. Instead, here's what I'm going to do. I know you like frozen pieces, so I'm going to go get a little DiGiorno for us. All right, I'm going to put it in the freezer. And then Valentine's night, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the TV trays out. All right, and you know how much I love Clemson football. We're going to re-watch the national championship together, right? I had one lady come up. This is no lie, right? A lady came up to me and said, preacher, that sounds pretty good to me, actually. right?" Yeah, don't say, okay, just keep going with that. It's fine. Do something, though, that doesn't serve you. Don't we do that a lot? I want to do good for somebody, and you do it because you like it. Serve them where they are. Humble yourself. Jesus said, bless them. Bless them. When they curse you, when they rip you apart, and they speak maliciously about you, cursing you, Jesus says, here's the kingdom way. Bless them. (laughs) That word bless comes from the root word where um, we get our word eulogy. At a funeral, I've never been to a lot of funerals. And I've never heard a minister or a family member get up and go, what a louse (laughs) this person was. I I mean, can I tell you all the things this person did? Can I tell you what a rotten, relational scumbag this guy was? You don't hear that. What do you do at a eulogy? You set those things to the side. You set their faults to the side. That's not the time. That's not the place to air it out. And you bless them. We honor. We honor this individual. Is that how we treat our enemies? We honor them, bless them, speak well of them. What you say to your husband or wife about your enemy, what you say on social media about your enemy, what you say, and your sons and your daughters pick it up, Do they? are they hearing you speak well of those who hurt you? Jesus says, this is the kingdom. He says, pray pray for those who abuse you. That word prayer, the root word's a powerful word which gives us the implication of of just bowing down. When it comes to loving our enemies, we get in a defensive posture, we get in a fighting posture, or we run from them. And instead, Jesus says, I want you to bow down in your heart on their behalf, in front of the Father. How many times when you see the image of that person, you hear about that person, or you see that person coming around the corner, other side of the room, and your first thought is what? How they abused you, how they cursed you. Instead, Jesus says, Pray for them, <laughs> bless them, bow down of me for them. What an incredible posture of humility. He says, uh, if, they, if, if, if you're struck on the cheek, turn the other one also. If a Jewish man walked into a synagogue and he said, I'm done with the Jewish faith, I'm going to follow Jesus. The um, rabbi, the teacher, the head of the ruler of the synagogue had every right to go ahead and slap him on the face teach him a lesson. And Jesus says, when that happens, and you know it did, when that happens, turn the other cheek. And here's what Jesus is saying to us. We don't do that here. Here at text we don't slap anyone on the cheek. But here's the question. How do we handle rejection? How do you handle rejection when someone says... He says, I reject you outright. And here's the problem. Our eyes, when it comes to things like that, our eyes, if, we, if we're hit, on, hit on, on the cheek, our eyes are towards that. Other. How could you do that? Or then we turn inside. How, why would he do that to me? Instead, Jesus says, just keep looking up. Keep looking up. And turn. And keep walking. Jesus, this is ridiculously hard. It is It is. He keeps going, though. Someone takes your coat, your outer coat. Give them your inner garment. The idea here is perhaps you're you're walking outside, and someone comes, and and they don't have, it's cold. They don't have a coat, so they just take your coat, give them your coat, and they they take it. You know what your response should be? Not to chase them down, punch them in the head. You You say, hold, 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 hold. You're cold? You're cold? Here's my other, here's the inner garment. Oh, that's not what we do, though. The kingdom way. Jesus, please stop. Nope, here we go. He's going to keep going. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Don't demand them back. Someone takes something from you. Your resources are not yours to be hoarded. Your resources are God's to be shared. And because of the kingdom, Because of the kingdom, if someone comes and says, can I use that? Yeah, be be generous, be open-handed. Live a life of generosity with what you have. Jesus says this is the kingdom, and he sums it up in verse 31. And so this is how you do to others what you would want done to you. But here here is why Jesus, I think, is on the offensive here. I think this is why he says be intentional and generous with your love. Respond with, with incredible force of goodness and grace and intentionality this is so hard this is so opposite of what we normally do here's what we normally do if someone speaks bad about us or abuses or misuses all of these things here's what we we take that hurt we take that that conflict we take that offense and we put it in our pocket and we just kind of we just kind of keep it here And Jesus knows that it's just human nature to say, you know what, for me to have leverage over you in this relationship, once you cross the line, you offend me, that is how I'm empowered. And he understands this, that the more we take that mentality of hiding what we have, putting in our pocket at arm's length and, and almost standing over that husband or over that wife or over that child, because you just can't measure up. Or you have hurt me enough times where, I'm just going to put it in my pocket, you become isolated, you become bitter. And Jesus knows, and the Father knows, and the Holy Spirit knows that this is how relationships are severed. This is how marriages come apart. This is how family struggles continue. This is how churches split. This is how churches crumble, is when people are not intentional and generous with their love, but instead pocket the offense and hold it over other people. So Jesus is saying, don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. Let it go. Love is different in the kingdom way. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It'll be on the screen. Listen to this description of love and see if this fits how we treat those who oppose us. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast; It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, And it endures all things. Is this how we love other individuals? Okay, Jesus, we got it. So what do we do? We just go out and and march and do these things, even though my attitude still stinks, even though my attitude is just, I don't know if I can pull this off. All right, Jesus, help us. All right, here we go. Skip down to verse uh, 32. Read with me. Jesus says, So if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, What benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So Jesus is pointing out here, all right, I'm not expecting you to go out and practice this with those that already love you. That's not the point. I'm not expecting you to go out and lend to those so that you can get something back in return. That's not the point. Jesus is saying, all right, I want you to go out and practice this because it's different and it's hard and it costs you something. And so he reiterates in verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Now, listen, here it is. And you will be or you will demonstrate what it means to be sons of the Most High. For he, the Most High, the Father, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful. All of these things that I've shared with you over the last two paragraphs, Jesus says, here it is. Be merciful because your Father is merciful be merciful because your heavenly father is full of grace and mercy to you who are ungrateful and evil and so you display being a son and a daughter of the most high here I think is what Jesus is saying receive mercy receive the mercy of the father how do we do this Right, Before you go jetting out of here, receive the mercy of the Father, renew your heart in His mercy, and then extend it to others. How How can the Father, who is holy and just and righteous and perfect, how can He be kind, as Jesus said, to those who are ungrateful and evil? doesn't seem to work out, does it? And here's how it can happen. It's in the cross. It's in the cross. See, in the cross, the Father's heart for those who are evil, you and me, sinners, is displayed. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, he's in obedience to his heavenly Father. And he's saying, Father, if this is your heart, then I want to display your heart for those who are evil and who are opposed to you. So I'll go And I'll die on the cross to reveal our love for them. I can't help but think of Jesus there on the cross. As all of those individuals who put him there, yelling and screaming and mocking him, they've already put on a crown of thorns, and they've already whipped him, and they've already put a cross on him, and he's carried that cross. They put nails in his wrists and in his feet. He's hung there to suffocate and to die. And what does he say on the cross? Father, do what? For, forgive them, for they don't know. And that is how the heavenly Father can be merciful to you and to me, because we are evil, and, and we are ungrateful to him, and our sin is in place on Jesus. And when the Father sees the Son, he then sees you And he can be kind and merciful to you. So the way to being merciful and loving those who abuse us, the way is through the cross. And when we come to the cross, here's what we receive, mercy. Maybe some of you this morning need to be renewed and washed again in his mercy because we've forgotten. We forget what it means for us to be evil and opposed to God. We forget what it means to be sin because we go to church every week. We forget what it means to be an enemy of God, as Romans says. And because of God's great love, he has come to you and he has said, I have mercy on you, I have grace on you. So here's the question. How then can we, deserving of the wrath of God, turn around and be vengeful and hateful to those who treat us wrongly? This is what Jesus is asking. How can you do that? Look at your father. Your father has had such incredible mercy on you. So now you you want to treat others that way? So receive that mercy. But then turn around and extend it to others. And this is how we reflect the heart of God, and the way of the cross. The kingdom way is the way of the cross. The kingdom way is the way where we come to the cross, and we say, okay, Jesus, if that's the way you're going to go, then I'm going to go that way. And listen, here's how it works in relationships. We get really, really scared. We get really, really afraid, and and we, and we say, there's no way I can come to that person, or I don't want to come to that person, because you, you know what? It, it, it would mean a, my reputation or or it's going to cost me something. It's going to make me look bad. It's going to make me look like after all of these months and all of these years and after all that's gone, it's going to make me look bad. It's going to embarrass them. And here's the amazing thing about coming to the cross in our relationship. It doesn't matter. We are... Dead with Christ. We are no longer alive to ourselves, but Christ lives in us. So here's the gospel. This is how this is carried out. When we look at those individuals and say, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. Jesus says, I've gone to the cross. You can do that. You can do that. And if you just come and abandon yourself and liberate yourself and be free on that cross, because on the cross, is Jesus hung there. Here's what he's saying. Father, You have control of this thing. Father, this is your will. I'm just simply doing what you asked me to do, and as I abandon to you, Father, you're going to take it, and I can forgive them because you're in control, and you will raise me again because you're in control, and you long for me to love my enemies because you're in control. So that is our posture. We come and we say, we're abandoned. It doesn't matter what it costs us, because it costs Jesus everything, and all of the hurt, and all of the pain, and all of the guilt that I've Cause and others cause is already on the cross. So now I just simply follow Jesus and say whatever happens, happens. I'm free. And I can have mercy. And I can show mercy. You see, the key is the gospel. The key to this whole thing is not you running out with a list of things to do. The key is coming underneath the cross and finding that mercy and that freedom <laughs> And then extending it to other people. You know how people long for that and need that? There's, um, we're going to show you a video here in just a second. Let me set it up. It doesn't need much to set up. Uh, a few weeks ago, the 21-year-old young man who walked into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, and shot nine people. His name was Dylan Roof. You'll see his face in just a second. He walked into a Bible study on a Wednesday night, took out a gun, and after sitting there for a while, shot nine people. He was a racist. He was someone who, if you ever wanted to personify the word evil, just looking at his background and how he hated blacks, and he picked out that church in part because it's one of the oldest black congregations in, in all of the United States, and he wanted to He said, begin a race war. So he marches into that church and kills a a pastor. He kills a state senator and seven other individuals. And he was just sentenced to death a few weeks ago. And as I watched and I looked at the news and I heard the words of those families, I just thought, that's a different type of love. Instead of judging and condemning as he stands there before a judge, they do something else. Here's just a little clip of that. Let's show that right now.
1: Ready, sir. I am. In shackles and wearing prison stripes, gunman Dylan Roof walks into his first court appearance with little fanfare or emotion. His image broadcasts via a video link from the detention center into a North Charleston courtroom. On the other side of the screen, off camera, relatives of the innocent victims.
0: Before we go into the bond process, I would like to ask, are there any members? Or is there a representative of any of the family that would be here that wish to st- make a statement
1: before this court, before I post or uh, set the bond? Through tears, some of them spoke. I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I would never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have rescue on your soul. Your name ma'am? Felicia Sanders. One of them, Felicia Sanders, a survivor of the slaughter who lost her son in the attack seems to speak for them all. We welcome you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. And I'll never
0: be the
1: same. Ruth listens expressionless. Staring down, he says nothing.
0: And everything in your body wants to judge. And condemn, and the law will. This doesn't circumvent the government. This doesn't circumvent the courts from doing what governments and the courts have been established to do. But it's just an example of the power of not judging and condemning, but forgiving and giving. And so Jesus says, "Look at look at it in verse thirty-two. Judge not." and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. But forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. For with the measure that you give forgiveness, with the measure by which you give grace, the measure by which you extend mercy, it will come back to you. So he tells him a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So listen to this illustration, which illustrates this final point beautifully. He says, so why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself don't even see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Here's the third thought. This morning remove the sin in your own heart before you condemn it in others. What a huge huge point this is. This is gets us to the mercy of God. This gets us to loving our enemy by just removing that sin and I love Jesus's illustration you you strain at at the little speck in your wife's eye, you, you strain at, at the little speck in your husband's eye because you just don't feel he measures up. You strain at, at, at your kids because they continually hurt you. you. You strain to watch and you strain to see how your parents and all that they did in the past to you, 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 you pick that apart. I'm not saying those things aren't real. But what I'm saying is Jesus says, hold it, hold it, hold it. Have you looked at your own heart and what's inside of you? And he says, remove the sin in your own heart before you condemn it in others. And that will open up your heart to see where you have fallen and it will give you the ability then to be free to forgive and to give generously this grace and to give generously your prayers and your blessings and the love of your enemies. It'll free you up as you confess that sin in your own heart to give generously, not to hoard and to be a kingdom follower that is much, much different than a regular American churchgoer. So this morning, I think Jesus has been clear with us as to what to do and so, so here's here's what we're gonna do in both rooms. All right. We would normally at this time I would pray and we would stand up and we'd sing a song of commitment which Always a wonderful time and opportunity for you to come. But in a sermon like this, um, I think it's important that we keep in mind why we do a commitment time. And the reason we do a commitment time is not simply to add something to the end of the service so that you can wonder whether or not you're going to slip out before it's done or not. The reason we have a commitment time is for you to open up your heart and let the Word of God and the Spirit of God continue to work and to seal what He's begun throughout the last few minutes. And so we open up this time this morning, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward. I'm not, I'm not even going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you just to remain seated there. But I, I'm going to lead us through a time where we do exactly that. It's not an embarrassing time for anybody, but it's a time just to open up our heart and respond to what God has said in his word because we believe here at Taylor's that worship results in this, in confession, in submission, and in response to God. Otherwise, it's just external. So I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes in both rooms. I'm going to lead you through this, and then Scott in this room and Kevin in the other room will come up and close up our time as soon as we're done here. But I I want this time to be just for the next few moments, time where you begin to open up your heart to what God has been saying to you this morning. So thought number one. Let's go ahead and do this together. Let's confess. Let's confess our sin. Let's confess where we have been the ones that have prevented reconciliation. We have been the ones who have not been purposeful and intentional with reaching out to bring about peace and to, and to show love. We are the ones who have been holed up in isolation. We are the ones who remain stubborn in our bitterness because it empowers us and it lords us over others, even in our hurt. I'm not saying that what they did to you was wrong. What I am saying is Jesus is asking you to respond differently this morning. So will you just open up your heart and just say, we c- I confess I confess, Lord, I haven't loved with the type of love that Jesus has loved me. And I soften my heart this morning. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to, to show me. Here's the second thing. To show me where I need to submit. The Holy Spirit might be saying something to you this morning. And he might be saying, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to respond. And right here, right now, here is where you can submit and say, before you, God, whatever it is you need me to do, I'm open. I'm open to it. And then respond to him. Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 5, he said, if you're worshiping, if you're worshiping and you're about to go to the altar and lay your, your gift down on the altar, and you remember someone has something against you, you you lay it down, you stop worshiping, you put the gift down. Externals and worship on the outside, Jesus says, doesn't matter to the Father, a broken and a contrite heart that desires to respond to him and you might say I don't know how to do that but this is just the beginning point and he will lead you and he will give you grace and he will give you mercy it's the way of the cross you'll find that mercy there if you'll simply step out and you'll simply say okay I'll respond I'll respond in obedience I'll make that phone call I'll send that text I'll make that appointment sweet lady came up to me after the service, and she says, I'm on the phone this afternoon, will you pray? Absolutely, I'll pray. This could unlock your marriage, this could unlock, it could be the step towards freeing that marriage or that, that struggle in the home. This could, a heart that pursues the kingdom way could transform this church. Will you say, on my watch, I'll love the kingdom way. On my watch, I'll love my husband differently. On my watch, my children. On my watch, my church. Will you pray with me now? Father, thank you for what you have spoken to us through Christ. And, oh Lord, in our hearts, we wrestle. Oh Lord, we wrestle. We wrestle. you help free our hearts to see the cross and their safety and mercy and security and strength when we simply follow Christ. Oh Lord, be with your people. Pray this prayer now in Jesus' name.